Good evening. If you would uh, turn your attentions to uh, the book of Acts. We're looking at Acts chapter 8. We're going to read about uh, the conversion of the church in Samaria and one person in particular that was there in Samaria, a man by the name of Simon. We know him today uh, as Simon the Sorcerer, or sometimes referred to as Simon Magus. You think about uh, every generation of people has had to contend with you know, the various charlatans and con artists and swindlers and, and hucksters. You know, back in the uh, early 20th century and late 18th century or 19th century, you know, they were, you know, rainmakers, the snake oil salesmen, you probably heard of that sometimes, someone being called a snake oil salesman. You know, today this genre of men often pushes religion as a means of making merchandise of the brethren. Uh, Peter alludes to this in 2 Peter 2 and verse 3, where he says, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So one of the greatest stories of conversion in the book of Acts deals with a grifter by the name of Simon. Uh, Simon the sorcerer. And so as we pick up the story here in Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, you know, just previously in verse 4, the, the, the Christians that were in Jerusalem, except for the apostles, they went everywhere. They were spread out, chased out of the city basically by the uproar caused by Paul's persecution or Saul's persecution. And they went everywhere preaching the word. One such person, one of the seven that was appointed as a deacon, so to speak, in Acts chapter 6, uh, a man by the name of Philip, he went down, it says, to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with him. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And so here uh, we, we read uh, there's great joy. Many people have, have seen the miracles confirming the word that Philip was teaching. And uh, with great joy they receive it. And verse 9 it says, But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out himself as some great one. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now prior to his conversion, Simon maybe would have made a great tele-evangelist. You know, he could have had his own TV show and felt right at home on stage with several notable, notable preachers of our day. You know, Simon had everything going for him. You know, he, he seemed to have credentials as a faith healer. Uh, and so... You know, the early church fathers wrote much about this man. Some of the accounts that they wrote are highly imaginative. And really, there's nothing more known 
for certain about this man other than what we read right here recorded to us or for us by Luke in Acts chapter 8. He is known uh, as Simon Magus, Simon the sorcerer. His name Simon suggests that he was of Jewish or Samaritan origin. And so in this lesson, I want us to notice some things about this religion, this man's religion, his false religion, uh, and the way he, many of the Samaritans viewed him. And so notice, first of all, that Simon the sorcerer made great claims. He was giving out that he was some kind of great one. Exactly what that would entail, I don't know. But he, he claimed that he could do miracles. He claimed that he could do various things. He used sorcery. Uh, he bewitched people. And so, uh, of course, he's a fake. But, uh, you know, look at the differences between Simon and uh, Philip. You know, one preached himself. He's saying, I am some great one. Whereas Philip, when he came, he preached under them Christ. You know, one man amazed the audience with his sorcery, while the other man performed genuine miracles by the Spirit of God. And notice how Simon was taken by that. He, he saw that and he was amazed. And even after he was converted, he, he wanted to stay near Philip because of the miracles that he was performing. You know, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, the witch woman that... Um, King Saul went to, went to go see, and, and, and you know, she said she could talk to the spirits. She was a fake. Uh, and, and King Saul said, well, I want to talk to Samuel. And suddenly Samuel appears and begins to speak to him. This woman freaks out, no doubt, because the first time in her life she actually called forth the spirit. And so here, uh, you know, Simon is like that. He's seeing an actual real miracle. And so you know, this really is the difference between the religion of Jesus Christ and the superstitions with the, which the world calls religion. You know, Philip went into the region of Samaria to preach Christ, to preach that the Messiah had come, uh, and to make known the teachings of Christ, the things concerning the kingdom. And so the same truth, though, had been stated in Samaria before by Jesus himself. Uh, look over in John chapter 4. Uh, we see there in verses 3 through 5, that uh, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. He must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And we know there he spoke with that woman at the well, who then went forth and, and told everyone else about him. Uh, in John chapter 4, verses 39 to 42, it says that many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And he said and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And so Jesus was in this small village of Sychar, not terribly far from the city of Samaria itself. Uh, the field had been prepared by Jesus himself. He said in John chapter 4 and verse 35, he said, uh, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then come the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. 
And so it is in this field that Philip enters and is blessed in his labor. And so uh, we see a great difference between Simon, the so-called miracle worker, and Philip, the evangelist, the the one uh, with the gift of the Holy Spirit to heal. And so Simon made great claims. But when compared to, uh, to Philip, he was simply a fraud. Notice also that, that Simon drew large numbers of people. They all gave heed. Everyone in the city seems to have given heed unto him. They, they paid attention. They listened. They knew who he was. You know, many people want to be part of mega ministry, so to speak. Large numbers, you know, are not necessarily wrong by themselves. But uh, it's the way that these large numbers are gathered, you might say. You know, there is the, the idea of the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity theology, whatever you want to call it, has sucked in millions of people around the world with a false notion that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for them. And that faith, positive speech, and donations, especially that part, donations to religious causes, will increase one's material wealth. And that's exactly uh, what so many out there in our world today are preaching. You know, some people are becoming very wealthy from this prosperity theology. For instance, uh, Creflo Dollar has a following of over 200,000 people. Now, he asked his followers to buy him a Gulfstream G650 jet, the fastest private jet in the world, priced at about $65 million. He said he needs to be able to safely and swiftly go about and and spread his doctrine throughout the world. His personal wealth is somewhere around $27 million. And then we, uh, we come to a man by the name of Joel Osteen, has over 10 million viewers that watch his show every week. As a mega church with about 50,000 members, 606,000 square foot former sports arena. He's authored numerous books, uh, a little more than religious versions of popular uh, self-help psychology. Uh, his personal wealth is thought to be around $50 million. So he's profiting pretty well. But then the king of all, the king of all of these, though, Kenneth Copeland, has an estimated net worth that makes the others look like two-bit uh, street hustlers. $760 million is what his personal net worth is. Some people are getting rich off of this, this uh, doctrine. And so a lot of people are like that, and Simon had a great following. These people have great followings. You know, many people would be impressed maybe with the province of Baal. You know, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 through 22. It says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Who's troubling Israel? We know it was Ahab. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the province of Baal, 450, and the province of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. 
And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people answered not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. You know, the nation was following those men. No doubt their doctrine was uh, very uh, attractive. You know, it was, uh, you know, it involved uh, a lot of things that, that God uh, does not allow. And so uh, most people, a lot of people would be very impressed with them. Maybe even today. Just because a preacher has a large following does not mean his message is pleasing to God. Simon the sorcerer had a large following, but he was a crook. And so he was a rip-off artist. He was a con artist. And so uh, he had a large number of people that followed him. He also uh, had many influential followers. You know, they, they all uh, thought he was something great from the least of them to the greatest. From the poorest person in town to the, to the richest, most important person in town. And so they came from all classes of people, from the least to the greatest. You know, there are a lot of people that get really excited when a famous politician or a, a star is a member of the church. You know, uh, you, know you can name a bunch that are out there that are, that are members of the church, technically, that, that aren't faithful members of the church that I know of. Uh, and uh, you can go on and on. You know, there's a list out there somewhere you can find if you Google famous members of the Church of Christ. And so uh, we need to understand, though, just because someone is famous or well-known or influential doesn't make them right with God either. God is not a respecter of persons. You know, uh, uh, Peter had this really brought home to him when he went to the house of um, Cornelius the centurion and uh, when he saw that uh, the spirit appeared uh, in the like way that it did upon the apostles uh, it says there that Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him you know that's a great uh, change in Peter there to come to that recognition that God doesn't respect someone just because they are a Jew more than he respects a Gentile that follows him. And so just because someone is influential uh, doesn't mean anything. God is not a respecter of persons. You know, Christ did not promise popularity. Matthew 10 verse 22, he said, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. You know, the New Testament church you know, it was composed of former prostitutes, drug users, adulterers, uh, homosexuals. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, and such were, past tense, some of you, but ye are, present tense, washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so you think about who was in the church. It was slaves. It was uh, sinners. 
publicans, sinners, slaves, uh, women that were looked down upon. And so uh, that's who primarily was in the church. You know, Jesus himself rejoiced when sinners were saved. In Luke 15, uh, he tells uh, several parables there. The first one, uh, verses 1 through 7, Luke 15. Then drew near, they near, then drew near unto them all the publicans and sinners, for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Oh, what a terrible crime they accuse him of. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he had found it, he laid it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise... Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. You know, Jesus rejoiced when the prostitutes and the publicans and the sinners, when they came and they uh, came to him. He rejoiced. You know, the fact is that few noble People will come to Christ. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is of them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudence. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And so, you know, the, the rich man, the noble man, uh, deserves to hear the gospel just as much as anyone else. But just having uh, rich and influential people as a part of the congregation does not imply anything good, necessarily. Uh, so Simon had the great who followed him, and yet he was a charlatan. You know, he could also offer moving testimonies. You know, the people said, you know, this man is the great power of God. You know, if you dared to question the claims of Simon, he probably would have supplied you with a list of folks willing to give testimony about his ability. You know, every uh, witch doctor and every voodoo priest can probably uh, supply you with a list of references of the people that they have healed. But what does this prove? And so he could offer, you know, they could offer moving testimonials. He could say, well, look at all these people I healed. And all these people could say, yeah, he healed me. <laughs> I wonder, uh, anyway. Uh, what about uh, the audience themselves? You know, were they all liars? Because they're saying, this man has the great power of God. 
You know, God allows Satan to blind the eyes of some people. John chapter 12, verse 39 and 40, it says, And therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said, again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, and be converted, and I should heal them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. God will allow us to believe a lie. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, it says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. You know, that seems uh, to describe at least what Simon was doing, showing power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Now here's the reason why people fall for that. Because they don't have a love for the truth. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God allows us to believe a lie if we're willing to because of a lack of a love for the truth. You know, if you don't, what the old saying goes is, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And so when an honestly mistaken man sees that he is mistaken, he can either cease to be honest or he can cease to be mistaken. Now, Simon could offer testimonials about all that he had done, but again, he was an imposter. Simon was also a a long-time resident of the area. To him, they had regard because that of a long time. He'd been there a long while. You know, maybe, perhaps he'd been there at least five to seven years. You know, around 27 AD, Jesus had been to Sychar near the city of Samaria. That's with the woman at the well. Just a few years prior to this, maybe. Is it possible that Simon arrived in the area just after Jesus left? And finding people still influenced by the master, he exploited their excited emotions for his own objectives. Maybe that's what happened. And so some people believe longevity is proof that God is with you. You know, Simon was a longtime resident of Samaria, but again, he was a pretender. Simon also could perform astonishing feats. He had bewitched them with sorceries. And so he was able to astonish them. You know, Simon's, you know, maybe sleight of hand and and Houdini-like powers amazed the people. Like many faith healers today, he could probably cure everything from headaches to vertigo. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 again says, Even him whose coming is after the workings of Satan with all power, and signs, and lying wonders. Of course, Simon could not make the lame walk. He could not make the blind see. Or he could not raise the dead like the apostles did. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I give, I give, I have, I give to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we know that lame man that laid by the gates... There in Acts chapter 3, that he stood up and he began to leap. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 40, 
Then Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, turning to him, to the body, saying, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. You know, they healed the lame. They healed the blind. They raised the dead. Simon couldn't do those things. You know, the, the magicians of Pharaoh's court, they were able to imitate Moses in some things. Exodus 7, verse 11. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. They cast down their rods, and their rods became snakes. And so they did it with their enchantments. They did it with their sleight of hand. It was a magic trick. They imitated Moses. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 12 says, Truly signs, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you with all patience and deeds and wonders and mighty deeds. Now Paul is talking about his working there in Corinth. And so there is the true miracle and then there is those that imitate the miracle. You know, Christ's only condemnation or commendation, excuse me, for the Ephesians was in this one area. In Revelation 2 and verse 2, he said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how this, thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. You know, Simon could perform astonishing feats, but again, he was simply a huckster. You know, just because someone makes great claims, because uh, they have many influential followers, they can offer moving testimonials about astounding feats, and has existed for many years, or maybe even many decades, that is no proof that God is with them. Simon had all of this and more. So don't allow yourself to be influenced by these things. Now we are happy to report that Simon saw the genuine power of God and he along with many others gave up his religious scam. Again, verses 12 and 13, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. And so uh, he became a Christian. He gave it up. He, he turned away from that life of grift and, and of being a con artist and became a child of God. You know, we are 100,000 miles and 2,000 years removed from the church established in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, uh, from the preaching of the things concerning the kingdom in Acts chapter 8. But we can become what they were by doing what they did. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter said, uh, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and unto your children, and unto all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and breaking of bread, and in prayers. We can become what they were if we do what they did. If we uh, want to be, uh, become a child of God, become a Christian as the first Christians became Christians, believe, repent, confess our belief, 
be baptized as they were baptized. If you're a Christian today uh, who has become unfaithful, as we see later on in the case with Simon in Acts 8, then you can do as Peter told him to do there beginning in verse, uh, verse 20. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And so uh, he repented. And he prayed for forgiveness. And, and uh, if he stayed faithful unto death, then we'll be where he is. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. Revelation 2 and verse 10. Today if you're here and you are not a Christian, we urge you to put on Christ. Today if you're here as a Christian but haven't been faithful to God, we urge you to repent. We can help you in any way to respond. Let us know as we stand and as we sing.